You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. This is Mike Pearson, and you can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Informing America's farmers and ranchers, this is AOA, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Now, here's your host, Mike Pearson. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining us here for AOA. We are on location in New Orleans, Louisiana for CattleCon 2023, put on by our friends at the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. And today we are taking a look at gut health. We are going to be talking with Christian Hansen about probiotics and really improving your and your herd's overall health throughout the day. We're going to be doing that. We're also going to be talking cattle policy here in segment two as we look ahead to this year and what could be coming in the world of politics. The markets for the cattle business are up today. We've got some buying activity happening in the fat cattle and in the feeder cattle pits. So there is some enthusiasm here on the grounds at the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. We're going to dive right into our conversations this morning. Joining us first is friend of the program, Dr. Steve Lerner. He is the senior scientific and business advisor with Christian Hansen. Dr. Lerner, thanks so much for joining us again today. My absolute pleasure, Mike. I'm excited to pick your brain. We're going to talk about probiotics, but we're not going to start in the livestock world. Dr. Lerner, can you tell us a little bit about the research that's been coming out recently for probiotics, broadly speaking? Absolutely. For the last decade or so, People have been looking at the effect of probiotics as it impacts all of the life that exists within the digestive tract of people and animals. That collection is referred to as the microbiome. There's actually evidence that it functions like an organ, about the same mass as our heart, and it's in the digestive system. Probiotics improve the quality of that microbiome, and by doing so, it improves the way the gut behaves and digests and absorbs nutrients out of feed, and we have a tremendous amount of new evidence that it also impacts the mental well-being of consumers of that kind of a product. Now, and this is what's so interesting. We're putting something in our gut and we're improving our gut's performance. I think a lot of us understand that aspect of probiotics, but Dr. Lerner, how does it impact the brain? What's that connection, the back upstream connection? Of course. So about a decade ago, people in human medicine were doing studies to look at transplantation of this microbiome from a healthy individual into an individual with a whole host of challenges. And they found that improving the quality of the microbiome can impact depression, can impact the entire spectrum of autism, can impact schizophrenia. So they said, well, there must be some either chemical or hormonal or neuronal nervous connection. So they began looking for that. And it turns out that the microbiome interacts with special cells of our intestinal tract. The term is enterochromaffin cells, but Mm. let's call them special cells. (laughs) And these cells have nervous connections with the vagus nerve that carries a signal from our intestinal tract to our brain. And then our brain has the autonomic nervous system where the nerves go to our gut. An example, if you've ever been scared bad enough, you might experience instant gut motility. (laughs) That is the autonomic nervous system. And then these nerves ending in our gut can send signals into the inside of our intestinal tract to impact these bacteria, closing the loop. And there's just tremendous evidence of this mechanism working in people, in chickens, in pigs, in cattle. And the chickens industry is the one I want to turn to, Dr. Lerner. We just wrapped up the IPPE convention this last week in Atlanta. Of course, folks, you remember we we spoke to people who had been there. You were also there. You gave a presentation on this very issue, probiotics in chickens. What was the research? We had broiler chickens in study, uh, 1,600 of them looking at the impact of effective probiotics, we of course always measure performance. We want feed efficiency, rate of gain. This is our goal, the typical measures of our industry. But being the most sustainable bioscience company in the world, we're also interested in sustainability and health and well-being, mental health. So we measured 
the skittishness of the birds in a couple tests. We measured their physical comfort by putting them in some tepid water, so you don't want to sit down. And we found that the birds on our effective probiotic, Galaprofit, had better comfort and less skittishness. So we began to look for mechanisms. How could that possibly be happening? So we measured in their blood the hormone of well-being. It's called serotonin. Mm. We found this hormone was four times higher than the birds fed our probiotics. We looked for corticosterone, the hormone of stress. It was half as high. So now there's some saying, okay, feeding probiotics changes hormonal profile. And then we, using the human literature as our backup, look for those transporter proteins that are actually important for how serotonin exerts its beneficial action. It works in the space between two nerves, and these transporters carry serotonin between the two neurons. So even if we have a lot of serotonin, if we don't have the transporter, it's not getting the job done. And in fact, if you don't have one of the transporter proteins, you might suffer from autism. There's, okay. been, a, there's been human medicine looking at variants in these transporters for depression. So we can alter the production of these transporter proteins we saw a three-and-a-half-fold increase in one of the transporter proteins. We saw a 135% increase in another. And then for the enzyme that converts the precursor of serotonin, called tryptophan, to serotonin, it was 17 times higher in the chickens fed a probiotic. That is some pretty incredible research. And the change in that, how was the chicken's performance from a standard commercial economic perspective? They were 10% they were heavier. They had a better feed conversion. They had 98% livability. It was good for the producer. It was good for the birds. And anecdotally, one of the things we had heard from big producers, when they go on our probiotic products and they go into their houses, the birds are quiet and calm, huh. and vocalizations are down. Well, we have evidence of similar things happening when you look at feedlot cattle, or you look at flows of piglets. And, and we now have evidence that there could be a mental health component. Now, of course, if we were not delivering physiological benefits, I'm still an animal scientist supporting an industry where production of meat, milk, and eggs is still the goal. Mm -hmm. But if I can do that sustainably, converting feed better to animal, that's a win. And if I can improve the mental health, that is another thing that we know the populace loves to hear. Yes. And reinforces what good stewards of animals should be looking for. Not only the physical performance, but the health and comfort of those in our care. Absolutely. Folks, we are talking with Dr. Steve Lerner from Christian Hansen. We will be picking up this conversation in just a few minutes. We're going to be talking about specifically what's coming in the beef space here with, with Dr. Lerner. And Steve, thank you so much for joining us here today. My absolute pleasure, sir. And folks, stay with us here. When AOA returns, we will be talking beef policy with our friends from the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Stay with us for more coming right up. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Don't go away. More AOA coming right up. Did you know that pork is the world's most consumed meat? Pork comprises over one-third of all meat consumed. Pigs were domesticated over 9,000 years ago in 7,000 B.C., and there are more than 180 species of pigs. Why pork? Well, it's not just because everybody loves bacon. Historically speaking, pork is a very easy meat to preserve via smoking, curing, or salting. Not only could it keep well before refrigeration, but it also tastes great under various preservation tactics and adaptable to a variety of flavors, spices, and dishes across different cultures and regions. There are twice as many pigs as there are people in Denmark. Did you also know that China is the world's lead pork producer? In 2020, they produced an impressive 41.13 million metric tons of the meat, which equates to almost 91 billion pounds. 
So the next time you dive into that plate of bacon, know that pork is the world's most consumed meat. These Farm Facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. Over 2.8 million Americans have served in our military since 9-11. Many have returned home with devastating injuries and few resources for them and their families. This is news correspondent Bob Woodruff. I sustained a life-threatening injury while reporting from Iraq in 2006. The military had my back that day and they have each other's while serving. It's time we had theirs. Please join us as part of the Got Your Six initiative. To learn more, go to gotyourSix.org using the number six. Are you heading to the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville? Stop by the Trelleborg booth and see me, Mike Pearson, for some exciting live radio and learn about what's happening in the tire world. I will be broadcasting AOA live from Trelleborg booth 5039 from 10 to 11 a.m. on Thursday and Friday at the National Farm Machinery Show. That's the Trelleborg booth 5039 from 10 to 11 a.m. We'll see you in Louisville. Hey, Dad, your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can, making sure they're safe and comfortable. But it's just as important that you take some time for yourself. At AARP, we can help with information and useful tips on how you can maintain a healthy life balance, care for your own physical and mental well-being, and manage the challenges of caring for a loved one. Because the better care you take of yourself, the better care you can provide for your loved one. Thanks, Dad. Thank you. You're there for them. We're here for you. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, folks. Thanks for tuning in to AOA today. We are still on location on the trade show floor. Christian Hansen booth 1639 at the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, CattleCon 23. We're going to turn the focus to cattle, specifically cattle policy. We're talking with Ethan Lane, the vice president of government affairs at NCBA. And Ethan, day two of the convention. Policy is on everybody's mind this year. What are you hearing from attendees? You know, we're in farm bill season, so everyone is coming to this meeting with uh, Priorities voted on by their state affiliates around the country, you know, 46 board meetings that happened before this meeting uh, to make sure that there's a robust policy discussion. We have a lot of issues that we're sort of still working through from the last few years. Obviously, uh, you know, the, the cattle supply chain issues mm-hmm. are, are always still on people's minds. We had a good uh, kind of robust debate, uh, uh, all positive on uh, on some of those issues in the cattle marketing committee yesterday. Very smooth committee meeting after a couple years of not so smooth committee meetings in that in that universe. Uh, the ag and food policy committee also yesterday uh, was talking about CRP policy and and, and you know the use of uh, cameras in in packing plants and kind of those technical issues. And, and that's a good sign, right? Yes. The, the industry's focusing back on, all right, how do we fine tune some of these things? Where do we look for ways to make improvements? And, and that's a that's a really positive way to spend the week. It is. And it's a positive way to get together and have these conversations in person. I was speaking with a, with a cattle producer talking about the CRP changes that mm-hmm. were proposed yesterday during the, the Ag and Food Committee. And it's great to see those being approached from a, a well-rounded perspective. Well, I think there's been this sort of black and white on CRP for a while, right? Where it's, it's, it's taking things out of production and, mm-hmm. and then we always end up in the situation particularly with the drought cycles we've seen where we're asking for emergency hang and grazing we're asking for those things and i think it, 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 we're hopeful this administration is interested in talking about some ways to change how crp works looking for some ways to recognize that grazing is a conservation tool uh that those th- those yeah. two things aren't mutually exclusive if they want us to mow it why not let the cattle mow the pasture you that's, know that's exactly it and and so you know no better time than farm bill season to start having those conversations we've we've made massive progress uh, talking about how grazing can be used 
getting away from this this misinformation about it being a, an impact, right, mm-hmm. rather than a benefit when it's well managed. Um, and we want to put that tool to use. So we want to make sure people are talking about that and looking for ways to deploy it, whether it's mitigating wildfire risk out in the West or, or managing those fields in the middle of the country. Um, that's, a, that's a great message for us to continue to push. It is. Another conversation piece I've heard many times is traceability. The ongoing look forward, particularly in this era of, of animal disease. Yep. Have we made any discussions? Where does NCBA sit on the traceability front? So, you know, this is something we've worked on for years and years and years. And, and we got a little push last week when the, when the, uh, the Department of Agriculture pushed out their uh, electronic ID rule. You know, we've, caught, we've talked about RFID for years. They've pivoted here to electronic ID. And that's really speaking to the challenge everyone's had with the different technologies and kind of moving beyond that and, and recognizing that this is a, an evolving landscape. So rather than spending another 10 years arguing about high frequency versus low frequency, you know, let's start sort of looking beyond that bucket. We are technology agnostic in our policy. Mm-hmm. We, you know, I mean, and, and so that's kind of been our, our spot to operate there. It, it's, it's positive that they're working on a nationally significant traceability program. We are really focused on ensuring that producer privacy is respected there how you gather that information, who can access it, how much information is really necessary. Those are big question marks that we're gonna make sure we're really tuned into during this process. But it is critically important that we get something done here because an FMD outbreak in this country would be absolutely devastating you know to, to those producers I heard a comment last night at the at the bar after the pack auction somebody said you know the difference between a dollar fifty for a tag or losing 500 on your on your animal um, is, is is you know not even a, a question of which one you want to do but we do need to make sure we do it right so uh, we are going to be talking a lot about that actually I think it's going on right now in our cattle health and well-being uh, policy committee as we're having this interview all right so we'll see where NCBA comes down mm-hmm. as this grassroots policy makes its way to uh, to formation and of course, once it gets there, you've got to take it to Washington, D.C., the team at NCBA talking to those lobbyists, talking to this new Congress. Ethan, do we have any friends of the beef industry in this new Congress? We have a ton of friends up on Capitol okay. Hill. Um, it, we, are, we are extremely blessed in this industry. It's a, it's, a, it's a factor of us being such a broad, diverse industry, 750,000 cattle producers from coast to coast. Um, we have members in both parties who, who really care about the cattle industry. Um, we're going to need them all to step up in, in this administration and in, in, in this Congress because you have a lot of folks that, that do care about the cattle industry but also are in this kind of new wave of, of hyper-fiscal conservative, um, rightfully so. They, they have spent far too much money in the last three or four years in Washington. That extra six or seven trillion starts to add up you know, pretty quickly. <laughs> real money before it, too long. You know, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, it took me about a year and a half to, start, to stop saying billion and start saying trillion yes. as much as we do now. Um, but you know, we're going to have to make sure they understand that you still have to get things done. You still need access to those voluntary conservation programs. You still need disaster assistance. We still don't have enough risk management tools, especially in the cow-calf sector. There's some real business that needs to get done here. Um, and, and no, just because we like saying no is not going to be an acceptable way to move through the next two years on the farm bill. That's true. It's got to be, there's got to be constructive ideas coming the, from, from both sides. There do. And, 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 you know, I think the chairman, uh, uh, GT Thompson, is, is trying to get at that with the hearings he's going to hold. He has a robust schedule planned. Um, Debbie Stabenow on the Senate side is doing the same. Um, they should have been doing that last year and the year before, but here we are. So it's, it's politics in D.C. It is. So they're going to crank through those hearings. I think we're going to have a lot of testimony in the next couple months. We're going to hear a lot of perspectives um, and, and try to put something together that works. But you're going to see those same old battle lines come up. You know, the nutrition title, um, that big lion's share of the spend. Um, isn't popular with with conservatives, mm-hmm. um, and you know the ag policy is pretty foreign to a lot of Democrats. Um, so you, you know that's kind of the, the 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 devil's deal that's always made on the farm bill, and, and there's certainly you're going to see that full featured this year. You know you're talking about the farm bill, adding more risk management tools and opportunities for producers. Is the farm bill where you see that the risk management changes coming for the cattle side? You know, so the risk management programs aren't technically authorized in the farm okay. bill, but the but they're they're supported by farm bill resources, right? So when you look at programs like LRP and walking through this trade show, if you're wondering whether LRP has increased in popularity, take a walk down the main aisle of the NCBA, you know, cattle industry convention and trade show, and you will you will know. Um, PRF is another one, you know, that's really important for a lot of producers in, in rain-deprived areas of the country, drought-stricken areas of the country. Um, it, it is, it's really important to make sure those programs are, are well-funded. And when you see a massive increase in use like we have with LRP, mm. um, you know, multiples of what we saw before May of 2020, 
um, that that does factor into the overall cost at a certain point. Sure. So we got to make sure the, the money's there to cover that we do. massive growth in subscription. And it's important for people to remember that's happening across everything in the farm bill. That $800 billion farm bill, just to maintain spending with inflation is about a $1.1 trillion bill oh, wow. if you were going to fund the same programs today as 2018. So that's sort of the baseline. You know, no one gets a haircut if you go to like $1.1 trillion. Man. And then, oh gosh, what about my new program or my new program? You're at 1.4 before you can, you know, before you can finish doing the math. And, and that starts to make a lot of people really uncomfortable in Washington. Yes, that makes sense. Well, speaking of Washington, one of the great things about the CattleCon, Ethan, is that Washington comes to us. We get a lot of folks from D.C. here. Can you tell us who are you talking to? Who are the big names that you're excited to interface with when they come down? Sure. We've had a lot of folks from USDA in the building this mm. week. Um, I, uh, Bruce Summers and the team at AMS has been here. Uh, obviously, a lot on their plate here yes. in this convention, on both on the, on the policy side and then the Federation and checkoff conversations as well. Um, we're going to have Deputy Secretary Jewel Brana here tomorrow. She's going to be on the general session stage um, in the session that I'm moderating, um, talking about what USDA is up to, kind of looking at that path forward for the next couple of years for them. Um, you know, we've had we have Forest Service people here, we have BLM people here. Uh, you know, if, if they're dealing with with grazing or cattle or, or meat production, uh, there's somebody probably floating around this building, and, and it, it's helpful. It is, and you know, well, yesterday, for example, Cattle Can Contract Library Pilot AMS yep. prevent, uh, pre presented on it, and uh, do we feel like the the potential users of that are getting a handle for how to best apply that cattle contract library to the beef? I, I think so. I think this is this is the week where everyone's sort of trying to figure out what's actually in it. Okay. And and I think there were kind of several different camps of people looking at that the potential of that cattle contract library. I was in Northwest Iowa a few weeks ago uh, speaking at a dinner, and the, the producers up there were like, well, I don't think there's going to be anything of any value. We're not going to get any real information here. Mm. I, I'm hopeful they're going to be pleasantly surprised with the amount of information that's in there and how it's presented. Um, I think people that were worried about their confidentiality, worried about the privacy of their agreements, I think they're going to be pleased as well that, they, that, that I think AMS has really navigated a, a, a tightrope here to put a product out that, that puts more information out in the marketplace, uh, but doesn't jeopardize anybody's confidential business information. And, and you know, a lot of it, and this point's been made, is has been available. It's not necessarily right. a lot of brand new information, but, you know, if you're a big corporate feedlot and you've got a team of economists, you've got this information. If you're a small feeder that's mm -hmm. trying to figure out how to improve his business model or, or find some new ways to, to get those premiums, um, this is going to be an incredibly helpful resource in, in doing that. And we expect the rollout of that to come this year through the pilot program, get more details so, out. So it's live now. It went live earlier this week. It's funded through the end of September. So okay. I'm going to say pilot as many times as I can because that's what it is. Yep. And, and it's going to be, we're going to see, I'm, I'm sure, changes throughout the year as they kind of figure out, you know, how to get this right. And then we'll look at it in, in September and say, did we like it? Do we want to do something different? Where are we at? Can we make it permanent? That right. will be the question, folks. We've been talking with Ethan Lane, Vice President of Government Affairs here at NCBA. Ethan, thanks for joining us. Always great to see you. And stick around. We'll have more conversation on probiotics when AOA returns. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Don't go away. More AOA coming right up. Pride. It runs deep for those in agriculture. But that pride can also prevent farmers from asking for help when it's needed most. An injury, illness, or natural disaster is a heavy burden for any operation to bear. Farm Rescue is here to help shoulder that burden. We are a nonprofit organization helping farm families in crisis with free planting, haying, and harvesting assistance. There is no pride lost when it comes to Farm Rescue. Learn more at farmrescue.org. I've been farming my whole life. I don't need somebody to come out here and state the obvious. I don't need anybody to explain my farm to me. My local co-op works with CHS, and they know what I need when I need it. A global network of support. Local expertise. And valuable market options. We need a co-op that's here for us. So we can own every day. When you're an owner of a local cooperative connected to CHS, you get local expertise, a proven efficient supply chain, and global market access. Learn more at cooperativeownership.com. You're listening to AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet with this market update. 
The Federal Reserve did indeed raise its benchmark interest rate another 25 basis points yesterday, which is what was expected by the market. However, it also made it quite clear that while it acknowledged a pullback in the pace of inflation, it also again pointed to the tight labor market that will keep inflation pressures a problem for some time. And as such, it stated that we're probably looking at least 50 more basis points of increase when the market had only been expecting another 25. The Fed also maintained a hawkish tone regarding the duration of monetary tightening, yet Wall Street didn't believe it as stocks surged after the announcement yesterday. However, this morning they have pulled back considerably. One of the reasons that the economy is still being so resilient, though, is the amount of stimulus that is still in it. Part of that is fiscal stimulus, but part of that is also that the Fed has really only begun to withdraw that stimulus from the economy. Now, in the end, though, the Fed will not be able to draw inflation down to its 2% mandate without bringing wage inflation under control. Yesterday's JOLTS report showed job postings rising again to over 11 million. That is providing further evidence of a very tight jobs market. That suggests even greater competition for available workers translating into more wage inflation. This will put tomorrow's monthly jobs report at the forefront for providing key data on the employment sector. And as far as the commodities, money flow is coming back into the grain and oil seed sector to start this month. Fundamentally, traders point to a weaker dollar, Argentina's drought, and delayed harvest progress in Brazil, China coming out of COVID, and increasing conflict in Ukraine, but that is largely to justify its desire to own more commodities in 2023. The VIX traded to fresh one-year lows near 17 this morning, while the dollar firmed up after dipping to a fresh nine-month low earlier in the session. Yields on 10-year treasuries are trading near 3.34%, while yields on two-year treasuries are trading near 4.04%. Crude oil prices are more than 1% lower currently. This is AOA for the American Ag Network. I'm Richard Ristvet. Through the years, you've really kept up with the times. You're on social media. Like, like, dislike, block. Maintained your health. 10,000 steps. I'm a beast. You even programmed your own smart home. In 10 minutes, remind me that I'm a genius. In 10 minutes, I'll remind you that you're a genius. If you can do all that, you can definitely save for retirement. Just go to aceyourretirement.org, a free online tool sponsored by AARP that can help you get on track with your retirement savings no matter your age. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll meet Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach, and in just three minutes, get personalized recommendations to help boost your retirement savings. They're easy to understand and work with your lifestyle. It's quick, easy, and free. Plus, it's brought to you by AARP, so you know they got your back. You are a genius. Take charge of your retirement. Go to aceyourretirement.org now. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. This is Mike Pearson, and you can rely on us for the latest farm and ranch news from around the world. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in to AOA today. We are still in New Orleans at the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, sitting on the trade show. If you're down here, come by and see us. We're in booth 1639. That's the Christian Hansen booth. If you've been listening to the show today in segment one, we talked with Dr. Steve Lerner from Christian Hansen about the gut-brain axis and the work that they've been doing on the poultry side in probiotics, the research that they've done. But now, since we are at a beef event, we are going to turn the focus back to bovine health. We are talking with Dr. Jen Schutz. She's the head of North American Tech Services with Christian Hansen. Dr. Schutz, thanks for joining us today. Thanks, Mike. Happy to be here. We are talking about probiotics here in beef cattle. This is something Christian Hansen has been doing for quite a little while. How long have you had bovamine out for the public in beef cattle? So we're, as I'm certain that Steve alluded to, we're almost a 150-year-old company. So when we talk about our beef products and specifically bovamine, it's really amazing to think that that's a 30-year-old product. Shocking. <laughs> it is shocking. It is a mainstay on, on farms and feedlots across yeah, the country yeah. for over 30 years, but it's yes. not the same product today that it was in 1993, <clears throat> is it? It's the same base, and it's the most researched beef probiotic in the world so we take a lot of pride in that but when things age to around 30 years old it's always nice to polish them up and add some <laughs> some additional benefit to them right so what what is new with bovamine you're here today we're not just talking bovamine we're talking bovamine defend plus yeah, yeah. so we are, we're actually launching bovamine defend plus at ncba 
So we're pretty excited about that. So what we've done is we actually took the two base strains within Bovamine Defend. So we call that our uh, Lactobacillus animalis for all the, the nerds in the room that want to write that down. And we coupled that with a Propionum bacterium fortirici. So any bovamine product on the market will contain those two strains. And why do I want those two strains? Jen, what are they bringing to the table? Why just stick yeah. them in bovamine Defend yeah. Plus? So 30 years ago, the beauty and, and the work that we did to develop this beef product uh, was at the time a superior innovation that no one had tackled yet. And we basically went through thousands of strains to pick two that would have specific modes of actions to benefit our feedlot beef animals. And what are those modes of action? What are you looking to improve? Yeah, so when we talk about, let's start in the rumen, mm -hmm. and when we talk about that, we're gonna have our PF24, and the goal of having a strain like that is it allows for the creation of more propionate, and more propionate within a rumen is actually going to lead to more glucose, and more glucose in an animal is going to lead for more energy for the production of meat, milk, okay. healthy, happy animals. And this is what's fascinating to me about the probiotic conversation we continue having is the small changes that create the telephone effect right, as, the, right. as the signals get worked through the body. Yeah. And Jed, I am impressed at the growth of research in yes. the probiotic space in yes. recent years. It's from the outside, yeah. it seems like it's grown a lot. Yeah. Have you seen it on the inside? Or is more attention and dollars being focused on probiotics? Absolutely. Uh, there's, there's more competitors in the market and that's a good thing, mm -hmm. right? Um, customers have more options and the more research that we do, the better we get at what we do. Absolutely. And, and that's actually one of the reasons why we were able to create Bovamine Defend Plus because we were able to take some of the innovation from other segments and other species and realize we need to include bacillus strains within this product so that we can enhance what we've already got with different types of modes of action. Okay, so different modes of action. Yeah. So it's a little agronomic conversation right. here we're having. Right. How do modes of action function in this world of probiotics? Right, so that's an excellent question. When we think about our bacteria and what they're doing, uh, Bovamine Defend Plus is four strains. So let's, let's bypass the rumen because we already talked about that mm -hmm. and let's go to the intestinal tract. The LA-51 strain that's in all of our base bovamine products, that likes to hang out on the intestinal wall. So we call that a colonizing bacteria. Okay. So we really wanted to pair something that wasn't going to be a colonizer, that was going to be a bacteria that would choose to be mobile, to cruise throughout the gastrointestinal tract, eliciting benefits like reducing pathogens, uh, producing different types of peptides. So pairing our LA-51 with a bacillus that's going to have those types of modes of action is very complementary. Okay, so the modes of action, mobility versus colonization. Yeah, yeah. And it's all about getting to that critical mass is right. what it sounds like. You've got to introduce the bacteria exactly. and then give them space to grow. Is yes, that right? Yes, they it's like picking your home, right? They want a happy, healthy environment. And the more of them that are there, the better that entire environment's going to be. And what strikes me is the way, again, that telephone signal works its way down. If the individual organisms, that beef is performing better. The herd is as well, because as I understand, some of these strains help reduce the shedding of E. coli, right. help eliminate or reduce some of the risks in a feedlot. Correct, correct. Is yeah. that a, it? What are some of the major reasons that producers turn to bovamine? Is it mental health of livestock? Is it production gain? Is it a combination of factors? It's the combination. And when we talk about bovamine defend, producers utilize that product because it's the most researched product on the market that is well-defined in terms of its ability to improve things like hot carcass weight, uh, support things like improved efficiency, and along with that, like you mentioned, the ability to reduce E. coli, to, to reduce salmonella, to really focus on that. So in order to launch Bovamine Defend Plus, we really needed to take it to the next level and target things like uh, reducing things like uh, clostridia within the animal 
and things like in over and above improving efficiencies and hot carcass weights compared to defend and that's really the work that we did to create this new and improved product that is pretty neat so you benchmarked bovamine exactly. defend plus against bovamine defend to exactly. see if it would outperform yes what sort what other numbers you mentioned improved efficiency mm -hmm. added car hot carcass mm -hmm. weights can you give us some of the numbers there? What does the yeah. research show as far as how these yeah. gains are put in and how long do I need to be feeding uh, a probiotic, yeah. a bovamine Defend Plus to get these gains? Yep. So all of our research has been done start to finish, right? Okay. When those cattle come into the yard, they start eating the bovamine Defend Plus and they eat it till they leave. That makes a lot of sense because feeding a good, well-researched probiotic every single day helps to maintain that microbiome. Mm. When we've looked at our research with Bovamine Defend Plus, uh, a lot of that research has been done in uh, cattle on feed for around 150 days. Okay. And throughout the three trials that we've concluded, uh, what we've found is a 10 to 12 pound improvement in hot carcass weight. And we've been able to show between a 2 to 4% improvement in efficiency over a base control diet. Okay. So, over 150-day feedlot finish correct, ration. Correct. Is there any benefit to adding Bovamine Defend Plus for a rancher, cow-calf producer, to get those calves a better start as they're coming up from a young age? Great question. And I'm obviously going to tell you yes. Right. The one catch is that our Bovamine Defend Plus product is very sensitive to things like moisture and heat. So typically, it's a lot easier to utilize for a feedlot operator. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't have a product where uh, that will be much more appealing for a cow-calf producer to use. Okay. And that's our Bovacillus product. And we, we have hit on adding Bacillus strains to Bovamine Defend Plus to make that product above and beyond better. Well, the great news is that Bovacillus is actually two Bacillus strains. Okay. So we still have that same foundational concept of, in, of, of supporting animal health, supporting production parameters in the cow-calf stalker and background sector with Bovacillus. Because it sounds as though probiotics are a good thing to have in the ration at, at all stages of Absolutely. an animal's life. Is that is that the message that Christian Hansen's trying to get out every there? Every animal, every day. Okay. <laughs> you mentioned we're seeing more competition come on the market. Probiotic space yeah. is an interesting space yeah. here. What makes Bovamine Defend Plus stand out? The foundation. It's, it's really handy when you can say that your product is the most researched beef product in the world. Yeah. Uh, we do an aggressive amount of research. We don't stop doing research. The industry's always changing, and so we're ensuring that we do the research that's, that's applicable to the industry the day of. So as you look out for what's coming down the line, as more focus is, is on animal welfare, as more focus is on improving efficiency, what's next? What would you like to see? What are you hearing from producers about the next moves for, for Bovamine? I, I envision that the next topic that we'll tackle, uh, we always have to ensure that our probiotics are, are having that return on investment, mm. that producers want to use it because they can see the value in using it. But if we could couple a product like that and also tackle sustainability, we're the most sustainable biotech company in the world, as rated by the corporate knights for the sixth year in a row. So we're really proud of that. And because we are so passionate about sustainability and focusing on measures like that, I can foresee us with our Bovacillus product on the stalker backgrounder side, as well as Bovamine Defend Plus on the feedlot side, looking at some of these sustainability type of parameters that that have really hit the consumers and they're interested in. That is fantastic, folks. We have been talking with Dr. Jen Schutz here from Christian Hansen in their booth. 1639 will be here for a little bit longer at the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Stay with us. We'll have more coming from Christian Hansen when AOA returns. Hi, this is Mike Pearson. You're listening to AOA, Agriculture of America. Don't go away. More AOA coming right up. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. 
Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. Nothing offers an opportunity to bond and give thanks quite like breaking bread together. This is especially true as we welcome our troops back home and keep those who are still stationed overseas in our hearts. Hi, I'm Gary Sinise. Since 2011, the Gary Sinise Foundation's Serving Heroes program has shown gratitude to our nation's defenders and their families by serving up nearly 500,000 hearty classic American meals at travel hubs and military locations. And now, together with our friends at Bob Evans Farms and their Our Farm Salutes program, we will help to provide even more meals nationwide, offering our defenders a taste of home and the feeling of togetherness around the table. Help us show America's gratitude through food and fellowship. Look for the Bob Evans Our Farm Salutes purple packaging at your grocery store and visit ourfarmsalutes.com to learn more. While we can never do enough to support the men and women who serve together, we can make a difference, bite by bite. Do you know how much one stock of wheat is worth? Well, you're about to find out. Wheat is a member of the grass family that produces a dry, one-seeded fruit commonly called a kernel. There are about 1 million kernels of wheat in a bushel, about 50 kernels per stock, which if we do the math is about 20,000 stocks of wheat per bushel. That means that if a bushel is worth $8, then each stock is worth about 0.04 cents. So, you would need 2,500 wheat stocks to equal $1. Now that one bushel of wheat will yield approximately 42 pounds of white flour or 60 pounds of whole wheat flour. A bushel of wheat makes about 42 pounds of pasta or 210 servings of spaghetti. Wheat is the primary grain used in U.S. grain products. Approximately three quarters of all U.S. grain products are made from wheat flour. And in the United States, one acre of harvested land yields an average of around 45 to 50 bushels of wheat. So if you ever wondered how much one stock of wheat was worth, now you know. These farm facts brought to you by the American Ag Network. Paid non-attorney spokesperson. Are you over the age of 60 and been diagnosed with lung cancer? If so, you and your family may qualify for a cash award. Our experienced attorneys are standing by to evaluate whether you have a lung cancer claim that qualifies you for a cash award. The consultation is absolutely free and there is no risk and no money out of pocket. We only receive a fee when we secure you and your family a settlement. 250,000 people are diagnosed with lung cancer every year. You're not alone in this battle. We can help make sure that you and your family are financially safe and that medical expenses are covered. Again, if you've been diagnosed with lung cancer and are over age 60, call now. Don't delay. There are deadlines for filing claims. We're standing by 24-7. Call us at 1-844-903-1744. 1-844-903-1744. That's 1-844-903-1744. Attorney Advertising. William Stephacker Jr. is the attorney responsible for this ad. Main office, Granton, Pennsylvania. May not be available in all states. The landscape of media has changed and people are more skeptical than ever about where they get their news and information. While major news outlets show decreasing credibility, your local farm radio station still shows strong marks. In a recent survey, farmers rated information from their farm broadcasters as almost twice as reliable as major news outlets. Farm radio continues to be transparent, honest, and trustworthy. This message brought to you by the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Are you heading to the National Farm Machinery Show in Louisville? Stop by the Trelleborg booth and see me, Mike Pearson, for some exciting live radio and learn about what's happening in the tire world. I will be broadcasting AOA live from Trelleborg booth 5039 from 10 to 11 a.m. on Thursday and Friday at the National Farm Machinery Show. That's the Trelleborg booth 5039 from 10 to 11 a.m. We'll see you in Louisville. This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. 
Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. Keeping America's farmers and ranchers informed on AOA. Now back to Mike Pearson. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. AOA continues here from the trade show floor at the National Cattlemen's Beef Association in New Orleans, Louisiana. We are talking probiotics with our friends from Christian Hansen. We're in booth 1639. They'll be here for another day, if you two days, if you can make your way down. And we are back in a conversation with Dr. Steve Lerner, a senior scientific and business advisor with Christian Hansen. Steve, thanks for joining us. My pleasure, Mike. Jen, in our last segment, talked a little bit about bovacillus, the product that Christian Hansen has on the market for the rancher and I want to get into a little bit more detail. She had mentioned that not not to use bovamine in that environment because it's a little sensitive to moisture. Can you tell us more about the difference between the two products? Absolutely. When you think about bovamine, bovamine defend, bovamine defend plus, they are designed to go through micro ingredient machines into feed to be used immediately in feed for feedlot cattle. Okay. We certainly believe that every animal every day should be on an effective probiotic, but this poses a particular challenge for stockers and backgrounders where you're not having animals in a confined space that you're feeding every day. So the specifications for the product have to be that it can survive being put into a huge array of opportunities for feeding. A lick tub, a chemically hardened block, mm -hmm. a pressed hardened block, um, mineral mixes, pre-mixes, you name it. Whatever supplement you want to provide, providing bacillus organisms that form spores that are durable to temperature and to heat and pressure. And then when they're consumed by the animal, they hatch out, become active probiotic organisms in the digestive system of those cattle. So how long can a spore live in a lick tub, for example, out on the range in, a, in an environment? Well, we would certainly point to one year of stability. But I'll point out that when you go into the ancient grain crypts in Egypt, they find bacillus spores that have been there for about 3,000 years, and when they put them in a favorable environment, they hatch out and become active cells. So bacilli are designed by three billion years of evolution, or God, your choice to say, we can survive in harsh environments, and when we get to somewhere where there's going to be low oxygen and good nutrient source, we will thrive. Okay. And that's the kind of organisms we found to be probiotic in cattle, in swine, in poultry. So thinking about bovamine and bacillus, how do bovacillus, how do the how do the modes of action differ, or are they attempting to do the same thing just with a different presentation? Invariably, when we think about what effective probiotics do, mm -hmm. we look for organisms that can improve digestion of nutrients, produce enzymes. We look for organisms that interact with the microbiome, the organisms in the gut, to improve the quality and health of the digestive tract to promote absorption of those nutrients. We want organisms to help defend the animal against potentially harmful bacteria. And we want organisms that will work with our natural immune system. And if the animal gets what it needs out of its feed into its body, it will allocate those resources to grow, to produce meat, to defend itself. If you know their animal is gonna be challenged, which every animal is challenged, psychologically, emotionally, and physically in their environment, you want them to be able to respond to that challenge as best they can. So having effective probiotics is the key. In the particular environment of stocker cattle, mm -hmm. you want something they're going to lick on or consume every day to make sure they get an effective concentration of those organisms. By definition, a probiotic is an organism, living organism, that when fed in adequate quantities confers a benefit to their host. So that adequate quantity is a challenge and why you try to get it out there in something they want to consume rather than any other kind of, of offering modality. So in, in an environment where we're feeding bovacillus on the range, we're improving feed efficiency, are we going to see less of an impact on pasture conditions because the cattle are converting that grass better? Or am I stretching it? We, we, we would love to believe the 
objective of stockers is to convert grass to meat. This mm -hmm. is the job. Mm -hmm. We believe that every time an animal consumes and keeps those nutrients, you reduce the output of carbon and hydrogen, that's methane, or nitrogen and oxygen, that's nitrogenous waste. If you can reduce that, then you are having better cow pies, the, the pasture is maintained in a natural, and you know they're also putting those probiotic organisms back out the other end True. onto the ground, which will help improve the environment also. Now that's not, not something we claim, but there's some evidence that that is true for a bio-secure environment would put probiotic okay. organisms to outcompete others in those available food sources in those cow pies. Dr. Lerner, you've talked a lot about effective probiotics. You seem very passionate about the science behind probiotics. So I want to ask you as a person just listening, if I want to improve my gut health, should I be taking a probiotic and how do I figure out what's effective? I tell you now, without fear of contradiction, that every adult, every child, every baby, and every animal in our care should be on an effective probiotic. If you're going to make a choice, I highly recommend you go to your grocery store, you find a brand that has a reasonable concentration of bacteria, and you would try that for three weeks. Okay. And you, I believe, would notice a change in how you felt, in the quality of your digestive system, however you want to assess that, physically or with uh, output gas. And if that one didn't work for you, try another. And I believe that the microbiome for individuals may be best impacted by one organism or another. And it's a matter of trial and error at this point a to matter, figure out. A matter of trial and error. Now, it could be that the first one you try works for you. Right. Because there's a lot of effective probiotics in the market. Folks, if you want to learn more about probiotics and putting them to work for your uh, for you on your operation, visit Christian Hansen, chr-hansen.com to learn more. We've been talking with Dr. Steve Lerner. Thank you so much for joining us today. My absolute pleasure, Mike. And folks, tune in tomorrow. We'll be back here at NCBA working with our friends from Farmers Business Network. We'll see you then for more AOA. This is Mike Pearson. Thanks for listening to Agriculture of America. Join me Monday through Friday for the latest farm and agriculture news from around the world. What a great organization, helping families in need like ours. It's a godsend. When an unexpected crisis strikes, Farm Rescue is here to help. Assistance is available free of charge to farm families experiencing a major injury, illness, or natural disaster. Our volunteers and equipment are ready to spring into action with planting, haying, and harvest support. If you or someone you know could use a helping hand, visit farmrescue.org today. When it comes to making plans, you are the best. What about those round trips, which are perfect on your way there and perfect on your way back? Or those meetings with friends, surprise parties, camps, birthdays. The same way you plan for the important moments, start planning to protect you and your loved ones from a natural disaster. Sign up for local weather and emergency alerts. Prepare an emergency kit and make a family communications plan. Get started at ready.gov plan. Brought to you by FEMA and the Ad Council. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council.